Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. Good morning, church. Was that awesome or what? Yeah. So cool to uh, allow God to, you know, the gifting of God's people to be able to bless and be able to lead us into the throne room of grace and so thankful for the Tibonera family and for how God is working in their lives and what they're doing. Um, I, I met Emmanuel through my son Silas uh, sometime in February this year, and uh, my son worked at a factory in Franklin, and uh, uh, Emmanuel and he had connected there, and he came home one day after work, and he said, Dad, you got to meet this guy. He's amazing. Like, God's done some great things. He's from Congo. And I'm like, where is that at? <laughs> and uh, actually, I'd, I had heard about Congo. I had heard about, um, on, uh, on a podcast that I listened to, I had heard about the cobalt issue in Congo and how, you know, these large corporations were exploiting the young children in Congo. And uh, it's, all, it's child slavery, really. And uh, there's, a, there's a lot, many of you are familiar with it. It's, it's not made the mainstream media like it should have. I wonder if we would have cell phones in our pockets if, if it did. But anyway, that's a different subject. But, um, but the reality of it is that there is significant things going on. So I had a little bit of knowledge. Talked to Emmanuel, had lunch with him. Uh, incredibly, uh, you know, just a, a man who has a heart for the Lord and for the people of his country. And reminded me of the Apostle Paul who said I'd be willing to consider myself a curse for my countrymen. And he, having the blessing to be able to come to this country and, and experience America and the freedoms that we have and the comforts and all these kinds of things, but yet God would put on his heart to remember his people. And uh, so it really struck a chord with me. I invited him to the missions conference at Calvary Chapel, Nashville, in, in March, and he shared there briefly. And I thought, we need to set up a time for he, uh, he and his family to come and share at our church. And uh, so here they are this morning, and what a blessing to have them. They are incredibly gifted musicians as well. Uh, I... Whenever you hear somebody say, hey, we uh, play instruments, you're kind of like, okay. Uh, do you have something you could share with me before we, you know, turn the, congreg- turn the service over to you kind of thing? You never know what you're going to get, but when I heard... When he had sent me a link to a, to a song, original song that I think his brother John had done, it, amazing. And I was like, oh, my goodness, we are going to be so blessed, right? Um, so we're, I'm going to invite Emmanuel up here in just a second to share with you about the Tibonera Foundation and how God has uh, used he and his siblings. His father's a pastor. They grew up in a Christian home. But uh, how he's using this family to, uh, you know, transform lives in the country of Congo. So we're going to hear about that in just a second. Um, Before we move into that, though, I do want to bring to your attention, uh, as I did last week, that we need to be praying for this month, for uh, Pride Month, you know, and uh, it's it seems strange to say that, but that, but we're flaunting sin before God. And I want to just encourage you uh, as Christians that you are praying like you've never prayed before during this month, that God will awaken people's hearts. Um, you know, if you're a Christian who puts the, the, the little thing on your um, Facebook page and stuff, you're part of the problem, period. 
You know, and, and, and you know, we, we can't lie to people and, and flaunt sin before God. And I say that, uh, you know, because it's amazing to me uh, the support of people who call themselves Christians in this regard. And I want to just encourage you that uh, if you don't see this as sin, then you need to read the Bible. Um, and if you do see it as sin, then you need to not be silent about it. But you need to say something. We don't, we don't hate anybody. This is not about hate. This is about standing for truth and standing for God and standing for uh, Jesus Christ who gave himself on the cross that the sins of the world could be forgiven. You know, and, and so I want to encourage you this morning that you would be a praying people. And how did we get here? It's because the church has been silent. So uh, we can pray. Well, I say all this to say to this afternoon at River Rock Park, there is a, a, a whole uh, cascade of events going on for Pride Month and at 4.30, there'll be a stage there where the um, drag queens will come out and they're having some kind of a show. And I want uh, our church in particular, I don't know what everybody else is doing, but I want us to be praying about that. That God would grab a, grab a hold of the hearts of people. I believe the Holy Spirit can fall on a land that he can bring people to their knees himself. Uh, I believe that God wants to do that. And I believe that maybe he's calling us to do something about it. This afternoon, some of us are going to go down and just pray. We're not going to create a problem, but we're just going to begin to pray that, and walk around and pray that God would move. And if an opportunity presents itself, then of course, share the gospel. But at the end of the day, guys, uh, this is why we are where we are. If, if we do nothing, we're part of the problem. So at the very least you can do, and probably the most effective thing you can do at the same time is pray. So I want to pray before I uh, bring Emmanuel up, and he's going to share this incredible testimony. But I thought this would be an appropriate time to bring that up before uh, we, we hear the amazing thing that God has done in his life. So will you pray with me real quick? Father, we thank you for who you are, and we thank you that um, you are so good, Lord. And we love you. And God, we, we know that you love the entirety of humanity. All of us are incredibly broken people, God. And you know. And that's why you sent your son, because there was no other way. And this morning, as we sit here at your feet, and we think about people who are so lost, Lord, they have no their identity, they can't find it. And so they're seeking it out in all these other avenues, just like we did once before. And God, we ask you to invade the dark places of people's hearts, Lord, in Riverwalk Park this afternoon, that your Holy Spirit would fall, that God, that you would awaken people's hearts to know what is right and what is wrong. You, you, you tell us that you have written your law on our hearts, and so, Lord, will you Will you awaken hearts this, morning, this afternoon? Father, will you open eyes of the blind? Lord, we, we beg you, God, to move in a miraculous way. Lord, in this situation, we, we ask you to ward off the evil uh, presence in our town, Lord. We ask you to surround this Riverwalk Park with angelic hosts, God, that we ask you to bind the enemy, Lord. Only you can do these things, Lord. We ask you by faith this, this afternoon that you would do an incredible work at Riverwalk Park and that your spirit would fall. Lord, bring 
all of us to our knees, Lord. We are desperate for you. And we ask you to move, Lord. We pray, uh, you know, that you would be glorified and you would be lifted up, Lord. And that you would not be mocked. And so, Lord, we just lift it to you. We thank you, Lord. And we love you. We thank you so much for the Tibonera family being here with us, Lord. We ask you to open our hearts up to hear about the incredible things that you're doing over in Congo and how we can be a part of it, Lord. Again, uh, let, the, let these words not fall on deaf ears, Lord. May we be active in faith this morning to be sensitive to your spirit, to know how we are called to make a difference in this situation. So we lift it to you now. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, will you welcome with me Emmanuel Tibonera? One, one, two. Hi, everyone. How you guys doing today? Yeah, I'm so excited. And thank you, Pastor Tim, for allowing me to stand on this pulpit. Um, if it was not him, I wouldn't be here. So I'm really thankful. And I'm happy to see my, my friend, Silas. Uh, as the pastor said, we work together. And he, he was a really good friend. And we would talk so many things together. Um, we talked about the Bible at a factory company, something like that. And I know people will be like, oh, you can't talk about God here. We manage to talk about God while we are working. So, um, you know, this, they will try to stop us, but we're not going to stop. You know, he was really a good friend. And I happened to learn that he, was, he went for a mission trip. He studied the Bible. It's just encouraging. Like, and then we became friends. Then he told me about Pastor Tim. So, and then he went and told him that, hey, you have to meet me. Uh, and we met up with Pastor Tim, and it was a really a good conversation. He was really cool, and he happened to Google me and search me and YouTube me, trying to find out who I was. And I was shocked that when we met, he knew a lot about me. So, uh, and he said, we need to get you to our church. And I was like, I would love to come, you know. And uh, I'm happy to see him here. Um, yeah, so I'm just here to share with you my testimony, uh, to talk about what God has done, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to encourage you. As Priscilla said, I'm married uh, to one wife. Uh, <laughs> as you know, a lot of people, they, they tend to think that all Africans have three wives, four wives. That is a lie, you know. Um, there's people who have many wives, but only have one. And uh, we've been married for 10 months. And um, yeah, I'm still fresh and new. <laughs> But, you know, I'm blessed because my stories, uh, when we met, it was, a, it was a miracle from God. Um, I was looking for a wife. After, I struggled for a while, though. I keep getting the wrong people. <laughs> uh, but there was one time that I was on Instagram. Social media is amazing how it makes the world so small. You know, and I saw a picture of this beautiful lady. And uh, I tried to find more about her. I went through her Instagram and I was like, mm, I like the way she dresses. I like the way she's into ministry. And I sent a message, you know. Uh, and I introduced myself officially. I said, my name is Emmanuel and I have nine siblings. And 
I went to college at Liberty University. Um, I love the Lord so much. It was a whole paragraph. And, and I guess she, God was directing her to open it. Because, you know, these days they don't open those messages uh, easily. <laughs> so she, I guess, I think she first of all looked at my page before opening the page. I don't know what she did first. And then she realized that he's into ministry and, and all that. He read the message. She read the message. And, and I guess she was like, he looks so fresh. And... and <laughs> And uh, you know, you know how I was straight to the point. The main message was, I didn't go around the bush. I introduced myself officially, and she was interested. And then after she saw what she liked on my Instagram, she decided to respond, and um, the conversation started from there. So we had our first date on, on FaceTime. Uh, everything was done by faith, which I'm going to talk about later. Faith. I married my wife by faith. Uh, we became boyfriend and girlfriend on FaceTime. And uh, I asked her how to be my girlfriend. I told her, you know what? She lived in the UK and I was here. And it was during COVID and we could not meet. But we decided that we are going to date without us seeing each other physically, you know, personality-wise and, and all that. I'm not going to advise anyone to follow my way. <laughs> uh, you know how they do it in America? You take someone out. I didn't do that. So, and then, uh, yeah, we went on a day through FaceTime. I told her, just pretend like I'm there. Put on a nice dress, makeup, all the stuff, look good, and get on a FaceTime. And, and we did that. And I asked out, and she said yes. And we started dating after six months. I didn't want to be catfished. So I said, you know what? I am getting nervous here now. I need to go see her. So I went to the UK, and... Uh, as soon as she came to pick me up at the airport, I knew immediately that she was going to be my wife. Uh, yes, and uh, I came back, bothering, went back again, we got engaged, came back again. We planned for a wedding, and here we are 10 months into it, and it's an amazing experience. Uh, yeah. Uh, I guess uh, it was a long experience, but I, I appreciate my family to be here as well. We've been through so much, but uh, they understand uh, the importance of being a family. Um, I come from the Democratic Republic of the Congo, uh, one of the second biggest countries in Africa. So I'm going to tell you a little bit of uh, this country, and then we'll talk about faith, and then I'll be done. God uh, has been faithful. For those who have no idea, there's more than 450 dialects in the Republic of Congo. We have about five national languages, French and different types of so five national languages. Here in America, there's only English, maybe Spanish. Uh, but majority of Congolese, they have to speak at least four. You know, it's okay. We, we, have to, we grew up that way. Um, you know, so... The history is country so big and blessed in terms of natural resources. But there's one thing that we've struggled and suffered for so long is we don't have peace. And the minerals have caused so much pain to my people. The minerals have caused so much chaos and people have died. We fled the deadliest war that took away six million lives. These are the things that you will never see. 
on the mainstream media because no one is interested in that story. But you look at the Congo, the Congo has contributed to every technology that we have. We look in our cell phones, um, we look in our computers, we look in our, uh, our electric cars, everything that we could think of. Congo has contributed 70%. We have 70% of that mineral that this big tech and big corporations need for in order for your phone to vibe, to, to charge, and all these things, they need that mineral. We produce 70% of that. That means the whole world produces 30%. So that means everybody wants to go to Congo. China is in Congo. The U.S. is in Congo. France is in Congo. Everybody is in Congo. And what they do is get the mineral out. We have thousands and thousands of children in cobalt mining who are digging this mineral so that we can be able to have this technology. For those people that have watched Joe Rogan and, and few people that have really talked about these issues, it is so heartbreaking seeing that five years old, seven years old are in these minerals and they're the ones doing it for us to be able to use our phones. Microsoft, um, Elon Musk knows because he's involved into electricals. All these people, they know. But if you ask them, they will deny. They say they don't know anything about that. And you ask yourself, what can we do? The Congolese people, if you ask them, do you benefit from all these minerals? They will tell you no. We don't have lights. We don't have good roads. We don't have hospitals. The only thing that people experience in that country is just war every single day. We have close to 100 rebels and nobody knows who's funding them because they understand we get minerals when there is chaos. So they have traumatized the Congolese people for more than 20 years. Six million people is what has been counted. A lot of people, the UN says it's more than 10 million people. And, and imagine where is the world at? Why is everyone silent? We have been chased out of our country, running around, around, uh, around the world asking for peace. Congolese are all over the place because people have been frustrated and disappointed. We are disappointed with our own government, which is they work for their own pocket. We are disappointed with the people that are coming in to take what belongs to the Congolese people without even thinking about the importance of human life. I was born in the Congo. I grew up there. I experienced war my whole life. My family too. We know how it is to become a refugee. We know how it is to leave everything that you had and you go hide under the bed and, and moving to, an, to one place to another seeking for refuge. We became internally depressed in our own country for so many years until we were looking for a way out of Congo. And you can imagine we have the highest number of child soldiers. They come, they grab kids playing and take them away. When those kids come back, they are not the same they used to be. They have abused our young girls and women in the Congo. As a world, we understand when you have no respect for women, no one, no, and there's no country that will ever move forward. There is no development if there is no peace. And there is no a country that will succeed without empowering women. Every an hour, 48 women get abused and raped in this country. But 
Everyone stays silent. And you ask yourself, where is God? Where is God? We moved from Congo, then we became refugees in Kenya for nine years, and we saw God. We saw him performing miracles. We saw him saving lives. Unbelievable. And then God opened an opportunity, and I'm here in America. Now think about how did I manage to get out of that country? At the same time, one of the amazing stories was when we were running, people would tell us, everybody, keep moving forward. Don't ever look back. Because whatever you see is not your business. So keep moving forward. Can you imagine a 10-year-old and you're seeing so many things that you're not supposed to see at that age. But you're holding on to your parents and your sibling and telling you, keep moving forward. We made it through the, to the jungle and, and slept outside and all that. That we can run away from the chaos and go to the villages and stay there. That has been our life where you move from one place to another. You stay for two months. What's that? You got to move again. We, we, we became like nomads. People that don't have a place. Just keep moving around. But I would say what was holding us together was our faith in Jesus Christ. We grew up in a Christian family where my dad always said, you know what, I cannot protect each one of you. But I know who can, which is Jesus Christ. So every time there's bombs and chaos and, and abuse and all these things, he would say, all of us gather together and pray. And he directed us to, uh, to Jesus all the time. And that's the, way, the reason why we are who we are today. is because of the foundation we had. My first preacher was my dad. Yeah, he was preaching all over the place, but the person that brought me to Christ is him because he's the one that taught me the Bible. He's the one that told me to trust in the Lord until now. I, I've never gone to my parents and asked them for something when I was growing up because they told me, if you need something, go to Jesus. If you need anything, go to, DJ, to Jesus. He will provide. He is able to. Even all of them, they know that. And I look at the situation and we are grateful to be in this country. America has done so much for us. And, and, and for you guys that probably take a lot of things for granted, not every country is America. We need to know that not every country is America. Yeah, we have meals on our table. Our kids are going to school. We have everything that we need. But in these countries where we pray for water, for clean water, we pray for protection, we pray for food, we pray for every single thing. And I'm telling you, the things that we have sometimes can make us push God aside because the comfortability, the ev everything that you had, you feel like, you know what, I got it. I don't need to, to pray. Yeah, and I'm not blaming you. The situations we are in, we tend to forget God because of what we have. And God is reminding us this morning that we need to be grateful. We need to be thankful as well. Because you know how much you're blessed until you move outside America. Go visit other places. Then you will know. But what I'm saying is, my God is faithful. He still performs miracles. We serve a living God. We trusted him and he saved my family. And here we are standing by the grace of God. There's, there's uh, one time where I was invited to share 
And people, they, the pastor told me, um, we don't clap in this church, just be aware. And, 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 and I was like, okay. So I was like, okay. I'm sharing things and I can see people want to clap, but they're looking around. They, they, they told us we can only smile because we don't want to distract people. I'm so glad to have that freedom and see you guys clapping for Jesus. Come on. <laughs> you know, um, uh, God is amazing. One of the amazing testimony in Kenya was we lacked food. And we just moved from the Congo, moving to Kenya. We are not allowed to work. We are not allowed to do anything. And my parents, we all nine kids. And my mom was like, I don't have anything to feed all of you guys. What should I do? She, we are looking at her like, you know how parents, they go to, how kids go to their parents and ask for food. And ask for anything because we have that relationship and freedom. But we were looking at my mom where she said, I don't know what to feed you guys. She has tried so many ways and failed. But she said, you know what? I know somebody that can feed you guys. She said, you know what? We're going to try this by faith. She took all the plates and laid them on the table. And then she said, we're going to pray and trust the Lord that we'll provide. So everybody surrounded the table. All my siblings and we lay our hands on those plates. And we believe that God is going to feed us. I was praying and I'm opening one eye and I'm looking up and I was like, Lord, what's going on? Maybe food is going to come up there or something like that. And I keep looking and until we said amen, I look at the plates, it's empty. And my mom was like, you know, you guys can go play, but I know God is going to feed you. After a few hours, God sent someone and brought everything that we needed. And we feasted that day. You know. Uh, some of my siblings, they probably were young. They were not paying attention. But me, I was paying attention because God wanted me to share these testimonies. And, and my mom was like, didn't I tell you that my God will provide? And we say, yes, he did. While we're enjoying that meal. You know, God is unbelievable. If you trust in the Lord, he will never put you to shame. If you trust in the Lord, he will never leave you. There's another story. Then we're going to read the scripture. There was one time, if you get my book, you'll be able to see all these things. Uh, but there's one time we were eating one meal from January to December, and we got tired of it. In Kenya. And we're telling our parents, why are we eating every, this type of meal every day? Because we're almost developing malnutrition. And, and we call it, if you know Kwashoko, it's like we have a big belly and, and everything else is skinny. Because of eating one type of a meal. And then my dad was like, you know what, There's a, we're going to change this meal. We will change. I'm going to get you guys some chicken. And, and I don't know how, I don't have money because there to get a, a whole chicken is not easy. Well, here we have big, big chicken that look like goats. You know, the big, the, the big chicken in Walmart is, you know. It's big chicken and it's like, wow, you know. Back home, to chicken is like a special meal. You just don't get it like that. It's whether you get it Christmas time or New Year, you know. But here, we can get it every time. America is blessed, you know. And my dad was like, you know what, I don't have anything but... We need to change this diet. So one day he was walking around and he saw 
one healthy chicken walking by. And then he told God, you know what? God, please. I'm going to feed, I need this chicken to feed my family. He did not steal it though. Don't get me wrong, he didn't steal it. He just saw it pass by and it looked, you know, healthy. And then he told God, ah, man, my family been complaining. At least we need to change this diet. And he left it like that. In the evening, that chicken belonged to a neighbor. In the evening, while we were about to have that, you know, the regular meal we always have, and everybody's upset. You can see their face is frowning, like, because we are tired of it. We had a knock at the door. Somebody came in and said, you know, hey, I made, I slaughtered my chicken today, and I made it, and only took one piece, and I could not finish it. But God told me that I should bring it to you guys. Can you imagine? My dad was like, you know what? He took that chicken, and he said, what? Let's first of all have a talk. And then he told us what he told God when he saw that chicken pass by. And he told me, you see, here is the chicken. And I've never seen such miracles. And I'm like, wow. God answers and listens to prayers. He saw our desire to have chicken in that home. And he had to order someone to slaughter theirs. And have them eat just one piece. Because God had a plan for me to be able to eat that chicken. Unbelievable. Wow, just clap. Just clap for God. Yeah, just clap. We have the freedom to do so. Amen. I will never leave God. And I told him, I made promises, and I told him, God, if you save my family and bring us all in this country, I will serve you for the rest of my life. And since then, I've never turned back. Yeah, there's no regret when you decided to give your life to Christ. There is no regret. And I, and I told people like, hey, we are in the right hands of God. Yeah, we should feel proud and say, you know what, I belong to Jesus. Because he will never, ever leave us if we trust in the Lord. No matter how ugly may be outside, no matter how abandoned we may be, he will never, ever leave us. Yeah, he knows our name. He knows my name. He knows your name. He knows all our names. In the book of Matthew 14, 22 through 33. I'm going I'm to read it very quick. Um, the Bible says, uh, Matthew 14, 22 through 33. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he, he dismissed the crowd. 23. And after he had dismissed the crowd. He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came. He was there alone. By the boat. By, uh, by, the boat, by this time was a long way. Uh, from the land. Beaten by the waves. For the wind was against them. 25. And in the fourth watch of the night. He came to them walking on the sea. Verse 26. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea. They were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, take heart. It is I, do not be afraid. 28, and Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Verse 29, he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. 
He cried out, Lord, save me. Verse 31, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat washed him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. My simple title is Step Out, of, step out in Faith. And um, it's an encouragement to all of us to step out in faith. Basically, do things that you have never done before. Step out of your comfort zone and go after Jesus. Peter was walking on the water and he saw Jesus coming. And he saw him and he asked, Jesus, can I come over? Jesus said, you can come over. Peter stepped out of the boat and he started walking. The man was walking on the water. He walked while his eyes were fixed upon Jesus. Believing that he had so much faith and he knew that if Jesus has commanded me to come, I'm able to walk. He walked. As soon as he took his eyes off Jesus, he started sinking. And then he remembered, man, Jesus is still there. And then he called upon his name. And Jesus was watching and lifted him up. We survived. We went through whatever we had to go through because we had faith in God. And we knew that God is able. A lot of people died, but we trusted in the Lord. And we knew that he's able to get us through. Things to remember when you're stepping out in faith, we can move forward even in the face of, of fear. You know, sometimes our fear can be an obstacle where you just want to sit down and do nothing. Especially with what is going on around the world. You've seen a lot of preachers go on TV and they ask them, is Jesus the only way to heaven? They stumble because of fear, I guess, or they don't want to lose members or things like that. But when we have Jesus, there is no fear. And you are ready to do whatever it takes because we know this is for him. We have so much fear as believers, especially in this country where we become so comfortable and, and fears have kept us in a corner that we cannot move forward. We are not um, performing miracles anymore. We are stuck because we have been overtaken by fear or maybe because we are holding on into so many things. Peter walked because his eyes was fixed on Jesus. As soon as he took off his eyes of Jesus, he started sinking. The reason being, he was focusing on the wind and the things that were surrounding him than focusing on Jesus. Trust God's word to you. If he said something to you, he will do it. If he promised you something, he will fulfill it. We were promised that we will leave the country. And he did it. Sometimes it may, take, it may take long. Sometimes you might ask for something and you don't get immediately. But he will do it because he is faithful. Trust his word. I remember one time. Um, now I'm going to go back and share this testimony about Shoes. I remember one time I was a refugee. I lacked proper footwear. And my, my parents took me to a prayer and there was, they asked 
is there anybody who has a need to pray? I said, I have a need to pray. Um, I have a need and I need someone to pray for me. And they asked me, what do you need? I say, I need, I need shoes because I didn't have any. And I was just embarrassed going to church without having good shoes. And I was like, please, my parents could not afford one, but I need God to give me one. At least a brand new shoes. And then they prayed for me. One of the couple was touched by my testimony. And um, she was like, after two days, she brought me a new pair of shoes. And then I was so happy on Sunday. I was celebrating. I was singing. I was like, man, I have a new shoes. <coughs> I was happy. I didn't know that God was writing my story. After praying for that one shoes, now I've been involved with my family to ship more than 70,000 shoes to the Republic of Congo. Can you imagine? If someone came to me that time and said, you know what? You don't have it now, but in a few years, you will be providing shoes. I would have been like, nope. I don't see happening. But God was shaping and writing my story. I went to Liberty University and, uh, to Liberty University and then I told my, uh, some of my classmates, I know there's more than 15,000 students here, but I believe that you guys will bring me a prayer shoes one day. But they told me, how are you going to do it? I say, I don't know, but I have so much faith that God is able to do it. After three years, I sent an email to someone and he said, you know what? This is an amazing idea. By that time, I already collected 10,000 shoes and, and they're all stocked in my house, in my bed, sleeping on these shoes, <laughs> believing that one day they will go to Congo. Can you imagine thousands of kids in Congo are dying because they cannot afford a pair of shoes? Do you know how many pairs we have in our closet that are collecting dust? Do you know how many pairs that we buy every month that we don't even use? But kids in this country are dying due to contaminated soil. And I told God, you know what? I want to build a school. I want to build all these things. But God told me, start collecting shoes fast. We shipped shoes. One day, one time, Stephen Curry, the NBA player, he was like, man, this guy's collecting shoes. I'm going to give him 1,000 pairs of shoes. Brand new. Every student at my school donated a pair of shoes and everybody came to combo. And then I was on stage and I shared the same testimony that I'm sharing with you that I had this vision three years ago. And here it is. It's happening. And every student, faculty, people online, they gave us shoes. And we raised more than 20,000 shoes at Liberty University. Isn't God amazing? He performs miracles. He answers prayers. And here we are. I'm standing to share with you what God is doing. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus and he will take care of you. In the midst of what is going on, do not, don't ever lose focus. He will lead us. We should not be like Peter because we are heading in dark days now. And, and, and if you are not strong in your faith, you will start sinking. We need to stand up and hold on to our faith and, and, and be assured. Read your Bible. Hold on, because sometimes this Bible won't be there. Not the word of head that you know you are God and you believe in him, that you are not going to be shaken no matter how he might get, because he will never get the same way he used to be no more.
But as believers, we will stand no matter what. And we have no fear. Yeah, because the Bible also says, if you see all those things happening now, just know that our redemption, it is near. <laughs> Hallelujah. Know that his eyes are always on you. That he is watching. Whatever you do, he is watching and he knows. What you got to do is just call upon his name. Peter was sinking, but he figured, man, Jesus is here with me. And he called upon his name and Jesus rescued him. So we need to know that his eyes, he is watching. He knows what is happening. Don't lose focus. I have been through so much and I'm still standing. And, 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 God to, and, and I remember I told him, Lord, if you get me out of this mess, I will serve you. I said so many prayers like this so many times. When I feel that pain, I'm like, Lord, please, if you feed me, if you save my family, if you do this for me, if I get to the U.S., I will serve you for the rest of my life. When I started here, I started going this way, trying to figure out who the person that I was. But still, God was reminded, remember the promises you made. I will never have peace if I don't fulfill this. I will never. When I talked to my wife, when we were dating, she knew my passion and the calling that I had. And I told, if this is what you want, then you can join me. But if you feel like you cannot handle it, then bye. You know, she knew that this is where she needed to be. And I'm challenging us today that we need to step out of our comfort zone. God is calling us that we are used to do the normal things that we always do. But now it's time for us to do the things that we are now used to. Get yourself out of your comfort zone and, and trying to find what God has called you to do. Because every, we, the world needs us. The church is going astray. We have been involved in so many things. We are forgetting the calling that God put on our, on our lives. And we are becoming so comfortable. Yeah. Very comfortable. And God is not happy about that. We can't even go to church anywhere, any, anywhere in this place sometimes for counsel, for advice because the church is becoming the same as the world. We need to go back to the first love. We need to go back again and seek him more and be passionate. We need men and women that will stand up boldly and say, there is no way to the Father except through Jesus Christ. <laughs> now here we are. My country is suffering for so many years. I am not the Savior. And I've said that lots and a lot of super powerful countries are involved. I can't fight this battle by myself. But we can all play a part. You can amplify my voice. Because what I know is when I was in Congo, I was not able to speak. Because if I say something tomorrow, I'm going to disappear. Yeah, because that's the way they are. But I know in this country, nobody's going to touch me. I, have, I think I, I do know. No one is going to touch me because America, we live in a peaceful country. I believe that. 
and I can say whatever I want to say. And also, I'm not scared because I have Jesus within me. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. We have a part to play. We can change my country. My people are dying every single day because of these big corporations that are after the minerals. They don't care about human life no more. They don't care about seeing our mothers and our sisters getting raped every single day. They don't care our, our children being abducted. Every, they do not care. They just want the mineral out. China's in Congo. Everyone is in Congo. Everybody wants a piece of Congo. But nobody cares about the human life of Congolese people. We have been sent to so many countries. Um, they have opened us. Congolese come. But we, we will never transfer the whole Congo to here. There's still people that will remain in that country. And they need us. Every single day, my WhatsApp is filled up with uh, things that I, I can't even imagine. Images of, of people getting slaughtered. They, they tell me, say something about this. You know. Where do we start? You know. It is very sad to see a country that contributes so much to the world, but looking at how people live, majority of Congolese people live a dollar per day to survive. But yet billions of money of minerals is getting out of that country. Every single day. There is no middle class. It's whether you have it or you're poor. There's nobody in the middle. It is very painful. What we need to know is I've gone around the world and I will never stop. And I'm blessed to be this country that can be able to speak about these things. But with me, with just my little voice, I cannot handle it. But sometimes we've been told as believers to stay quiet. No. No. We, we're not going to stay quiet. Yeah, because people that don't even know God are not quiet. Why are we going to stay quiet? Well, we know we have God within us. Yeah, why are we going to stay quiet? They... They say, oh, Christians cannot be involved in politics. Who say that? Because that's what they keep passing all these uh, crazy laws that are affecting us. Yeah, because there's no people that understand the Bible. There's no people that love the Lord in leadership. But they want us to stay quiet. That way they can continue harming our children and introducing us to different things that are not part of us. We can stay quiet. And we all have a part to play. Our faith can move a mountain. Our voices can transform this country. And, and I'm, I'm challenge, challenging you today to ask God what can you do? Because we're not going to stay and continue living a comfortable life no more. Yeah, I've, I've asked myself, so even when I come here, I was involved in so many things that I forget. I was like, God, I'm becoming so ungrateful now. And I was, remember, I'm the one that was crying for so many things and praying every day. But now look at myself, I'm like, no, no, no. I need to slow down. I need to slow down. And anytime I go to Congo and come back, I just get challenged. I get encouraged every day. It's just, it's seeing people that the children are dying due to lack of proper food. Where? And, and looking at now where the country I live in, I'm like, Lord, what can we do? But then I realized that the, the only thing that I can do is to raise awareness. Because I have so much faith. And I believe 
that Congo can be transformed by Jesus Christ. There is no one. There's no Americans going to go there on the ground and fight. Nope. Nope. It's us men and women that believe in God. That we're going to share these stories. And we're going to tell people about Jesus. And, and the country will be transformed for Jesus. I believe that. Yeah, and we're going to go there and tell them about Jesus. When we ship these containers in these villages and drop these shoes, we tell them about God. We not only do that. They, they, sometimes... I'm deeper in these villages. And I remember the message clearly was, look for those people that have been neglected and abandoned. I go and knock at these doors and I'll tell them that Jesus loves you. And I give them a pair of shoes. And some of these people say, man, we are not believers. We don't believe in God. But seeing where you came from to bring me a pair of shoes, you know what they say? They say, I want to believe in your Jesus. You know, sometimes we think about we just need to carry our Bibles. Not even our actions can bring people to Christ. The way we talk to them, the way we walk, even in the morning when you say hello to our neighbors, all that can bring people to Christ. Now thousands in Congo are able to get a proper full wear because of men and women here that be like, you know, here, take, take, take. And we go there and we tell them about this because I know the best gift is not all this material thing, of course. The best gift is Jesus. Because all these things we have will perish. But the kingdom of God will not perish. Just need to know that, that whatever we have, it's just for a moment. This is a transit for all of us. Soon we will be gone. But it's more exciting because we have a place to go. And I'm challenging all of you guys today. If you have never loved God before, please do. If you have never served him before, please do. And also our children, when you go home, my first, the first word of God I had came from my dad. He told me about the Bible. He led me to Christ. It's in my house. And, and it's very important. Every time we gather for prayers in my house. And I can tell you that even me, I don't have kids yet, but I'm scared. I'm like, oh Lord, this country, the way it's, it's changing I don't know. I'm scared to have kids. And I told my wife, when God bless us with kids, we'd send them to Africa first. They stay there for one year and then come back here. You know? Because I'm scared of what they're doing to our kids. Yeah. It's, it's, they're confusing them. and, and It's sad. That's what, that's what I'm telling for every parent in this house, in this place. It starts in your house. Teach them about the word of God. Tell them that it's okay to be a man. It is okay that you're a man. Yes, we are getting confused. Yeah. Yeah, God is not a God of confusion. He is not a God of confusion. Yes. We need to stand firm and have that faith in our God and, and without fear and say our God is not a God of confusion. And he will never leave us. He will never abandon us. Start in that home. Gather your kids. Tell them about God. And, and, and if you, boys and girls tell them how to, to behave as a man and as a woman, start there. And that's how we are today. Because of, of the foundation we had and what our parents put in our lives. My words cannot be enough. But what I know is there is no regret to serve God. 
Yeah, we gave our life to Christ and then have never turned back. And that should be the same to all of us in this place. That we are in the right hands of God. And he loves us. Whatever you have going on and whatever situation you are dealing with, believe in God. Yeah. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they say, you know what? Even if you lock us in, we are not going to bow. Yes. Even if you throw us in the town of fire, we are not going to bow. We need to be like that. Because this man had so much faith. Yeah, we are not going to surrender. No matter what they do to us, we are not going to surrender because our God is able and he will fight for us even if they kill us. Don't ever leave God because I can tell you that when I needed him, he showed up. Yeah. When I needed him, he showed up at the right time. The same thing with you. The same thing with you. Bring your kids to church as well. Don't leave them at home. Make sure they come here. They listen to the word of God. Because wherever we are heading to, we're not going to be able to handle it if you are not well equipped with the word of God and have so much faith in God. Hallelujah, church. Um, I'm closing out, but my message is keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Do not ever, don't be like Peter. I'm involved in providing kid, uh, shoes to kids in Congo. And it's just been an, an amazing and humbling experience I've never seen. God has taught me so much. And now I'm even grateful for the life that I had. You know, sometimes we don't appreciate America, but this is the time you do. And for young kids and young men, sometimes you go to your parents and say, thank you for what you do for us. Because it's not the same out there. But what we know is we need men and women that will get out and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ without fear. I might be one voice, but I know you and I, we can transform our country. You and I, we can, I can, we can lead the Congolese people to a place of security. We can raise awareness and tell people enough is enough. Yeah. I don't know what's happening to the world. I don't know. But as I said, uh, the president of Ukraine comes here and collects billions of dollars and go fight war. But they don't give even $1 million to, to Congo to fight the rebels. Or they don't even say anything about that. I've, I watch the news, I'm like, oh Lord, have mercy. He's collecting money again to go fight. You know, which can be stopped. And I looked at myself and I was like, Lord, we don't even need billions. We just need everybody to just step aside. And come up with a solution so that Congolese people can benefit and we all can benefit. Because to be honest, we still need funds. We need all these things, but it has to be done the right way. Yeah. Not using kids. Not abusing our women. And killing people for just minerals and things like that. Uh, thank you very much, Pastor, for having us. I'm going to say a short prayer and, and the pastor will say other stuff. Father God, we bless you. And we glorify your name, oh God. Thank you for this wonderful moment in your presence. I have no words 
to say that I love you. You have never abandoned or neglected me and my family. And I believe with the believers in this building today, God, we all serve and worship the same God. May the same fire that is within me to be spread all over this room, oh God, that we all can fall in love with you again. Lord, we can go back to our first faith and love. Lord, may build us one more time. Shape us the way you want us to be. That we may be bold enough to step out and tell people about Jesus and the injustice that are happening in the Republic of Congo. Because God, without you, we don't need anything else. Without you, Lord, we are more than conquerors. Without you, Lord, we can achieve anything that we want to achieve. Because you have given us the power and authority. Father God, help us to be bold enough. So that, Lord, we can keep our eyes focused on you. Because you are our source of help. I pray for our children and our, and our parents and, and our brothers and sisters. Everyone, Lord, I pray that you will protect us. And you will love us and, and guide us, God. And, and keep us from all this mess that is happening uh, in our neighborhood, in, in our media, all over the place, Lord. And let's keep focusing on you. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, I pray and believe. Amen. Thank you so much, man. What an amazing story, what God is doing in account of, of the, the faithfulness of God. And also, the stewardship of man. God has given us salvation. He's given us hope so that we can pass it on. And uh, I'm so encouraged by Emmanuel, by his entire family, that they are loving the Lord and they are serving the Lord. And they have not taken their hand from the plow. As easy it would be to do here in America. As easy it would be to just sit back and be comfortable and forget about the people in, in their own hometown, in their own country. And yet they have not. And I want to encourage you this morning to do the same. You came from somewhere. And there are many people where you came from that, love, that need to know the Lord. You know, and don't forget that. Don't forget where you've come from. What, thank you so much, Emmanuel, for just an incredible message uh, of, of reminding us to have faith in Christ Jesus. Um, we're going to move into a time of communion. Uh, and um, fellas, if you'll come forward and just begin to distribute, I want to share with you guys very quickly uh, just something that the Lord has put on my heart relating to communion. You know, the Lord said that we're to do this in remembrance of him. And, you know, we gather once we do this once a month on a Sunday morning, the first Sunday of every month, and uh, it can become so routine that we're just taking the bread, we're drinking the cup, and the remembrance of Jesus and what he's done, although we may think of him in that moment, it's not, it's not really what it ought to be. I want you to invite you this morning to set yourself at the table with the apostles the night Jesus was betrayed, the night Jesus said, I'm going to institute the new covenant. And I want to, uh, you know, cause you to remember 
what Jesus has done. How would the apostles have taken communion during this time? What would they have done? Jesus died. He rose again from the dead. What was the first communion after all of that like? What were the original uh, you know, disciples thinking when they were to partake of communion? When, they, when Jesus said, do this in remembrance of him, what were they remembering? I've been studying the, the, the Eucharist. It means to give thanks. And I've been studying about, you know, the, the, the past thousand years versus the first thousand years since Jesus has instituted the, the, the Last Supper, the Lord's Table, Communion, the Eucharist. We came up with some interesting thoughts about in the last thousand years or so about what this is all about. And there are, are Catholic people who believe that this is the, these elements are transubstantiated, they change into the body and the blood of Jesus. And that's why they hold it in such reverence. And in fact, you have to be careful about the way you partake of it. And there's an element of that that is absolutely true. I don't believe that these transform into the body and the blood of Jesus. There's also consubstantiation, which the Lutherans, Martin Luther believed in. He moved away from transubstantiation. He thought that there was a spiritual thing that happened with the body and the blood, with the cup and the cracker. What did the early disciples believe? When they partook of communion, what were they doing? What were they thinking? Most of us here are Gentiles, and Gentiles, when we read the Bible, we tend to uh, look at it like it's a flower, and we pick all the petals off of it. And we break apart the, the, the real beauty of uh, the Jewish scripture, the way that it's looked at. The disciples were Jewish. And they had a Jewish mindset when it came to this. Remember what Jesus was doing when he did this. It was, it was actually Passover, wasn't it? It was Jesus saying, hey, the Passover was pointing to me, wasn't it? It was Jesus saying, you know, the lamb that was slain and the blood that was put on the doorposts and the lentil was representative of me. And so I have to think that they would have been incredibly reverent when they partook of communion. When they thought about, when, they, when Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, that they really took that seriously. And so this morning, I want to do the same. I want to do this in remembrance of Jesus. And I invite you to just come to that place. If you're here this morning and you're not a believer, listen, Jesus wants you to know this morning that he died for your sins and he rose again from the dead. And that he wants to cleanse you from all of your sins. And you can call upon his name right now. And you can invite him into your life and he can become the savior of the world for you personally, your savior. And he can wash your sins away. All you have to do is cry out to God this morning and he will, he will receive you in. He, he died for you. For those of us here this morning that are believers and we have the cup. And we have the, the bread this morning. When you partake, be reminded of what Jesus has done for you. Some of you are stuck right now. And the Lord wants to remind you this morning, you don't have to be.
He died for you. He rose again from the dead for you. And we're being reminded of that this morning, that his blood cleanses us from every sin. That God casts our sin as far as east is from the west. He remembers it no more. This is the reconciliation of the Father to a broken and dying world in the giving of his son. That's what he came to do. So this morning as you partake, don't let this be routine. This should change your life every time you do it. It's remembrance as often as you do it. It should change you. It should remind you, oh, Jesus, Lord, I've forgotten. It's only been a day. It's only been a week. It's only been a month. But I've forgotten. And I come now, Lord. And I want to be reminded. Paul warned the church in Corinth. He said, do not partake of this haphazardly. Do not partake of this unworthily. Don't just flippantly come in this room and just pop the bread in your mouth and slurp down the cup and, and go about your business. Remember what he's done for you. Father, we come in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this piece of bread that represents the body of Jesus. It is unleavened. Jesus was perfect. There was no sin in him, and that's what made him the appropriate sacrifice. So we hold this bread in reverence, Lord, recognizing the perfect, spotless Lamb of God that gave his body to be broken for us. Lord, thank you. We worship you this morning. As we partake, God, may our lives look the same as Jesus. We partake, Lord, in remembrance of him. Let's partake of the bread. The cup that we hold in our hands, that night Jesus was betrayed, it was the cup of redemption that he held. He told his disciples, take and drink because redemption had come. And here we are 2,000 years later holding that cup, being reminded that Jesus is our Redeemer, that there's not a sin that can that can keep us from coming to him except for blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and that is to reject him completely. So Father, we thank you as we hold this cup in reverence this morning, being reminded that our sins are washed away in the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus that reconciles us to you. gladly done it over and over and over again. And so, Lord, help us to remember to hide under the blood. It's not by our works, but by his. It's the perfect blood of the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. And we partake with gladness this morning, being reminded of the blood that was shed for us. Let's partake together.
Father, we are just reminded this morning of all the things that are going on in the world, in Congo, Lord, in the land of our very own country here. And it seems like we're surrounded. We're reminded of the words that were once said, great, we can attack in any direction. And so, Lord, let us be the men and women to stand for you in these days. Jesus came at the fourth hour. It was the darkest moments of the night. And he walked on the water. And here we are in the fourth hour. What I believe to be in the eschatological timeline, the very last days. And Jesus, you're going to show up because you are faithful and you always do. So, Father, help us as we leave this place this morning to know how we can fulfill our destiny to be people, men and women on mission for Christ. As we leave this place, Lord, that we leave with a fire in our hearts, with a courage and boldness to stand strong for you, Lord. And, Father, with a heart that bleeds for people across this world, including those in Congo, Lord, what can we do? We look to you. We ask you, Lord, to move on our hearts this morning. We thank you for the time in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.